Hello lovely. Do you ever find yourself running around trying to make something happen? Believing that God said it would be done, but wondering where God is and why he isn't moving on your behalf? Rest is a biblical principle that goes back to the very beginning. In Genesis 2, 1 through 3, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all of the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. God neither slumbers nor sleeps, but he does rest. And because he does, we know that we need to. Throughout scripture, there are admonitions to rest, to keep the Sabbath day holy, to be still and know I am God. If you have an expectation of what should happen and how it should come to pass, but it seems like God is asleep on the job, today we're going to look at why this is and the steps we can take to enter into Jesus' rest. Firstly, I'd like to apologise for not getting any episodes out last week. This was due to technical difficulties, and I am endeavouring to keep that from happening in future. The goal is to have two episodes of The Good Way published each week, one at 6pm on Mondays and another at 6am on Thursdays. And starting soon, I will be publishing a third episode each week in a series called Church Without Walls. These episodes will be scheduled to be published at sunset, Eastern Time in the US, each Friday evening. I'll let you know when this series will be starting. If you have been blessed by this podcast or any of the episodes and feel led to help keep The Good Way on the air, you can do so by going to www.patreon.com forward slash the underscore good underscore way. The link is in the notes for this episode. And let me tell you that every little bit helps. Welcome to The Good Way with Jenna Jandro, Integrative Nutrition Health Coach, Master Herbalist and Essential Oil Specialist, a part of The Good Way Ministries Incorporated. I'm Jenna Jandro. I'm a Bible-loving, food-loving, totally sold-out-for-God Christian woman, serving God in my church and community with everything that I am and helping others to do the same. You know you're called to serve God in a unique way, but feel pulled in so many directions and can't seem to find the time and energy to focus on what God is calling you to. I'm here to help you take back control of your health and wellness, to find the energy and focus that you need to achieve the things God has put on your heart through biblical nutrition, intentional living, and building right relationships. If you're ready to move from just surviving to thriving, then grab your green smoothie and come walk with me along the good way. Recently, I've had a series of dreams in which Jesus appeared as a sleeping man. In one, he was lying in a bed asleep and a woman was kneeling at his feet and worshipping him. The image was reminiscent of both Mary anointing Jesus' feet with costly perfume and of Ruth lying at the feet of Boaz. In another, I had been preparing a turkey for a great feast, but realised it was far too big to fit in my oven, so I asked a friend of mine if I could use hers to cook the bird. 
But when I went to take the bird out of my vehicle when I got to her place, it had become the body of a man on a gurney, dressed in pyjamas and a robe and slippers. But as people were debating what to do about him, he came to life, sat up and started talking to us, and then lay back down and slept. And I realised that this was Jesus, and he was both the sacrificial centrepiece, the Thanksgiving bird, for this feast, and also its guest of honour. But I knew that many would not be willing to receive him as he was. I even struggled with the idea of presenting him in his PJs and robe. But he was not what I'd expected to be offering at the feast. But this Jesus, the Jesus who has finished his work and has entered into the Father's rest, is the one we claim to worship. Even though every time things don't go according to our expectation, we try to shake him awake and with cries of, God, don't you know? Don't you know that we're going to die? Don't you know that we've lost our job? Don't you care that we'll lose our house? God, don't you know? God, don't you care? In Matthew 8, verses 23 through 27, we read the account of Jesus calming the storm. And like many of the accounts of Jesus' ministry, we tend to focus on the wrong thing. In almost every version of the scriptures, this will be titled, Jesus Calms the Storm. We look at the miracle that occurred rather than at the behaviours of the disciples and of Jesus. In Matthew, it says, they all got into a boat and began to cross over to the other side of the lake. Suddenly, a violent storm developed and the waves so high that the boat was about to be swamped, yet Jesus continued to sleep soundly. The disciples woke him up saying, Save us, Lord, we're going to die. But Jesus reprimanded them. Why are you gripped with fear? Where is your faith? There are several questions that arise from this passage. The first being, why did Jesus reprimand the disciples? Isn't it normal, a normal response to such a violent storm to be afraid? And let me be clear, this was no ordinary storm. Many of the disciples were seasoned fishermen. An ordinary storm would not have faced them. But they were in fear for their lives. So why did Jesus reprimand them? To answer this, we need to look back at verse 18, where it says, at the sight of the large crowds gathering around him, Jesus gave orders to his disciples to get ready to sail back over to the other side of the lake. Jesus had told them they were going to the other side of the lake. His rebuke is because even after spending so much time with him, they still didn't believe. The focus of this passage should not be on the miracle that Jesus calms the storm, but rather the focus should be on the questions Jesus asks the disciples. Why are you gripped with fear? Where is your faith? If they had believed his word, they would have known that no matter what the storm was like, they were going to get to the other side because Jesus had said that's where they were going. Their fear and faith were in the storm fear of what it could do to them, and faith that it would do it. They declare, save us, Lord, we're going to die. In the accounts in Mark and Luke, they say, 
don't you care that we're going to die? And don't you care that we're going to drown? So often, we, like the disciples, are running around, eyes fixed on the circumstances, declaring with our mouths the fear of our hearts and wondering why God seems to be asleep. Doesn't he care? In these moments, we need to stop and ask ourselves the same questions that Jesus asked the disciples. Why are you fearful? We can't judge the disciples for their reaction. Yes, they had been walking with Jesus every day for some time, but we have the spirit of the living God who raised Jesus from the dead inside of us. And yet still we respond in the same way that they did. In the scriptures, it says, perfect love casts out all fear. So, we can safely say that if there is a circumstance that causes us to fear, then there is an area of our life that does not know the love of Jesus, that is not fully surrendered to him. So when fear arises, it's an opportunity for us to surrender that part of our life to him and allow his perfect love to flood that area of our lives. By asking ourselves in the moment, Why am I fearful? Why am I afraid? We open the door for Jesus to come into that part of our life and bring healing and wholeness. It's not comfortable. The storms of life rarely are. But in the storm, we can find healing, wholeness and peace that passes all understanding. Especially if we're willing to ask the next question. Where is your faith? The faith of the disciples in the moment was in the storm. Their faith was in the circumstances, and the circumstances caused them to fear. The more they focused on the storm, the more their fear grew, to the point where Jesus had to calm the storm for them. We are called to walk by faith and not by sight. If our focus is on our circumstances, then that is where our faith will reside. What we focus on, we feed, and what we feed bears fruit. If the fruit of our focus is fear, anger, frustration, envy, strife, etc., then we know that our faith is in something other than Christ and God. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. Our faith will always bear fruit, and that fruit will always point to the source of our faith. Where is your faith? The next question we need to ask ourselves is, what did Jesus or God say? This question is so important because the ploy of the enemy from the beginning has been to ask, did God really say? It's the same tactic he used on Jesus during his 40 days in the wilderness. The temptation is always to doubt what God said, and Satan will quote scripture, but with his own particular twist. To be able to walk by faith and not by sight, we need to know the scriptures, to be intimately familiar with the word of God, to know his voice. My sheep know my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. How do we know his voice? Through scripture, through time in prayer, 
conversation with God, and through the witness of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If we know what God said, then we can focus on that. Let our faith be in his word and who he is rather than the circumstances. This will be particularly helpful if you have received a prophetic word. Firstly, ask yourself, does it align with scripture? God will not contradict himself. If you received a prophetic word and it doesn't align with scripture, it's not a word from God. Secondly, seek for confirmation of the word. By the word of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. If you've been hearing something from God and then receive a prophetic word saying the same thing, then that is a word of confirmation. But if you receive a prophetic word that is new to you, ask God to confirm that word. If it's a word from scripture, then ask yourself, is it in context with the rest of scripture? Satan will quote scripture out of context or twisted to mean something other than what God is saying. Test the words that you receive. Don't just take them as being from God, even if they're from a person you trust. You need to know that what you are hearing is from God. Then the circumstances will have no power to dissuade you or cause you to fear. Jesus told the disciples that they were going to the other side of the lake. That is what they should have been focused on. Jesus' word and his character, who he'd shown himself to be in their presence. The next question we need to ask ourselves is, where is Jesus? In this passage, Jesus is in the boat with them. That's the first thing we need to realise. Over and over in scripture, God has made it clear that he is with us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. The very name of God, Emmanuel, means God with us. We can know that in every circumstance, God is with us. So when the storm is raging, we can look to Jesus, who is in the boat with us, and see what he is doing. In this passage, Jesus is in the rear of the boat, sleeping soundly. There is a popular acronym at present, WWJD, what would Jesus do? We wear the bracelet, the hat, or the t-shirt, but when the circumstances start to rage, do we look to Jesus and do what he is doing, or do we shake him and yell, don't you care? Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. We are called to do the same thing. If God appears to be asleep, if Jesus is resting, do we feel the need to shake the heavens and declare our fear? Or do we declare what God has spoken and do what we see him doing? The second thing we need to realise is that if Jesus is resting, our faith in him and what he said will allow us to rest also in him and his word. So the last question is this, what should our response be? After Jesus reprimanded the disciples, 
He stood up and rebuked the storm and said, Be still. And instantly it became perfectly calm. The disciples were astonished by this miracle and said to one another, Who is this man? Even the wind and waves obey him. The disciples' response to the situation was to focus on the storm and fear was the result. They then looked to Jesus and took offence that he was sleeping. So they woke him declaring, don't you care that we're going to die? For this they were reprimanded by Jesus and he calms the storm with a word. So what should their response have been? If they had focused on, put their faith in, what Jesus had said and who he is, when they turned to him and saw him sleeping, their response would have been very different. If they had said or thought, Jesus said we're going to the other side of the lake, and look, he doesn't seem to be bothered by the storm. Maybe we shouldn't be either. Let's just do what's in front of us to do and keep our eyes on Jesus. They would have got to the other side through the storm and their faith and their character would have grown. In James 1, 2 through 6, it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So when the storm starts to rage, when the circumstances of life aren't lining up with what God has said, what are the five questions we should ask ourselves? One, why am I fearful? Two, where is my faith? Three, what did Jesus or God say? Four, where is Jesus? And five, what should my response be? These are hard questions to ask and answer honestly. But if we're willing to do that, God can work in our lives in such a way that we can find healing and wholeness. Fear can be removed and replaced by that perfect love of God and the peace that passes all understanding. Our faith can grow and our character can grow and we will grow into the fullness of who God has created us to be. And as we do so, we will walk out God's calling and our life and we will be an example of God and Jesus here on earth. If you've been blessed by this episode or any of the episodes, you can help to keep the good way on the air by going to www.patreon.com forward slash the underscore good underscore way where you can give securely. The link is in the notes for this episode. this podcast has blessed or encouraged you in any way, then I'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe to this podcast, write a review, and share this episode with anyone you think will also be blessed by it. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it in your social media page. And don't forget to tag me. 
I'd love to support you on your journey. You can come join me in the Goodway Community Facebook group or click the link to let me know if you're interested in one-on-one or small group coaching. And you can support the Goodway Ministries and help keep this podcast on the air by going to www.patreon.com forward slash the underscore good underscore way. All the links are in the notes for this episode. And remember, it's a journey. You only have to take one step.